Hello all you happy sellers and welcome to episode 11 of the SDR Disco Call podcast. I'm your host Neil Buyan. Today's guest is Maximilian Licht, a US SDR who transitioned from real estate into SaaS sales and all the techniques and strategies he learned to be a top SDR whilst working at Zora. And we're also going to learn what happened to Max when he didn't get his AE promotion and his current game plan to go get that promotion. So how does the SDR Disco Call podcast work? Well, it's actually a discovery call, hence the name. And every Tuesday at 8am, we're going to have a brand new SDR for 30 minutes and an agenda of introductions, their SDR story, and three key takeaways that they've learned to share with other SDRs. So with that in mind, let's begin. So guys, welcome to today's episode. I've got a very good guest on the show today. We've got Maximilian Licht. Uh, Maximilian is somebody I connected through LinkedIn, um, and we actually did work at the same company at some point in time, but at different times, and had a really great chat with him. He's super energized and pumped, and I really love his mentality when it comes to sales and as an SDR. So rather than me go on about Max, Max, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Neil. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. Thank you, dude. And welcome for, uh, welcome to the show. So, Max, with, uh, for the SDRs that can't see you, uh, but they can hear you, it would be great just to give us a quick introduction of who is Max, what you're currently doing, and where do you work? Yeah, of course, Neil. So, like you said, my name is Maximilian Licht. Uh, I am currently an SDR. I've been an SDR for about two years. I'm 23 years old, graduated school in 2018. So pretty quickly after my graduation, I did go into tech sales and into the SDR role. I am from Martinez, California, which is a pretty small town, about 45 minutes from San Francisco. So as a lot of you can imagine, I'm sure, you know, kind of grew up with a, a backdrop of tech in my life and just in, in kind of the culture around where I come from. Uh, went to school at UCSB and was in real estate for a while there before making the jump into tech. And I will tell you that's a uh, decision I will never regret. And it's been a great thing for me, both uh, in a lot of ways, just in every way. So yeah, always excited to talk about this role. I love it. Thank you so much, dude. And um, as you mentioned, like you, you made the jump in from real estate and then you came into tech sales and you've had a really good career from what I've seen on LinkedIn. Um, for the guys out there that uh, kind of uh, don't know what you do in terms of the company, kind of where do you work today and what, what do these guys do and how do you help them? Yeah, so as of now, I'm an SDR at a company called Productive. We are about a 60-person startup that was founded in 2018. So a young company, we've been selling for about four quarters now, uh, which makes it interesting. You know, when you come in at different stages of, of a company, you're always taking on different tasks and seeing different things in the marketplace. What Productive is, is a software asset management platform. So we essentially help companies optimize the way they're using and spending their software as a service technologies. So mm -hmm. I, I always say to people, it is like the most San Francisco company ever because we're literally SaaS <laughs> or your SaaS. Um, if you want to see how SaaS in a sentence, just come sell a product like this. <laughs> I love it. SaaS for your SaaS. That's super cool, dude. <laughs> And um, so like we were speaking a few weeks ago and we were talking about your journey before you jumped into like tech sales. And I read where you had, like you said, experience of real estate, you'd done some customer service, you joined the big Z at Zora and then you came to Productive. What was that whole story of kind of like when you left uh, uni, university? Yeah, of course. So I, I think first off, something that's important to note, um, and I think this is something that's true of a lot of salespeople, I, I drink the Kool-Aid very easily. 
And I drank the Kool-Aid for real estate sales in college, um, actually through my aunt, who was a great mentor of mine, was someone who introduced me to real estate. So I was very involved and very inspired by Santa Barbara real estate when I was in college. That's something I spent a lot of time doing that I thought would be my career, uh, you know, for, for 30 years after being a realtor in Santa Barbara. But pretty quickly after graduating, I realized that I needed a bigger scene, a bigger stage. And I wanted to be somewhere where instead of making a sale based upon, you know, personality and based upon connections in the community, I wanted to be selling something based upon, you know, the, the tenets and the aspects of a product that actually is able to differentiate itself, differentiate itself in the marketplace. And, um, that, that's a, that's a conclusion that I came to over kind of a long period of time, but it was very clear that I needed to leave real estate. And to me, that was coming up to San Francisco and that was going into software sales. And, um, like you said, the first place that kind of jumped out to me. And quite honestly, um, you know, Zora was like the first application I sent out, um, to be an SDR and thank God it was cause I had a great experience there. Um, but they swept me right through the interview process. I actually, I didn't tell the agent I was working with. I was an agent also assisting an agent. Um, you know, it was kind of the leader of our team and I sort of the interview process for Zora like secretly and took a day off to be sick, to fly up to San Francisco or actually drive up to San Francisco and, and interview for Zora. But essentially it, it was something I felt, you know, I needed to be in sales still, but needed to be in something where I had the support of a company and was selling something more technical. And, and I think that was a great decision. Wow. That, that's super sleuth, cool work, groundwork that you've done there. <laughs> so explain it to me, like break it down me a bit, like you're saying you as an agent, like helping an agent, like what, what was that all about? How, how was that working, dude? Yeah. So it's a pretty common way to get into real estate is to get your real estate license and to be able to independently sell real estate, uh, but then also to do transaction coordination and marketing coordination for a more established agent. So I was trying to generate my own business. I had the capability to close deals as a real estate agent, which I did sell a couple condos in my time down there in Santa Barbara. Um, but most of the work I did was assisting a top producing real estate agent doing all of their paperwork, kind of what's called transaction coordination, which is doing uh, the escrow paperwork, the listing paperwork, ensuring that all that is completed on time. And then the marketing coordination, which is running the website, working with the internal marketing team that we had at Village Properties, which was the agency that we worked for. Um, so really doing a lot of the back-end work that was great experience for what I'll be doing, what I've been doing as an SDR and what I will be doing as an account executive. Um, so I encourage anyone who, I mean, real estate's often something where it's easy to kind of pick up some hours or assist people while you're in school or while you're working on other career paths. I definitely encourage anyone um, to get their license and kind of check out that world because it's invaluable experience. 100% my man and I love it like where you say you gained a lot of experience of running your own business mm -hmm. touching different elements which assists you like you say as an SDR and as a future account executive and it's really cool because I'm doing it the other way around where yeah. I've been an SDR and I'm like exploring the world of real estate and I can definitely understand it's something good to get into in terms of long-term investments and I'm still a, a school boy in the world of real estate so I may be coming to you, Max, uh, to, to learn a couple of tips. But um, as you mentioned, like you were going through there, you was an agent, you was helping out with that business, and then you came across the Big Z and Zawara. So for me, when I first came across Zawara, I didn't really understand what SaaS or software as a service meant. I didn't really understand startups. I knew Silicon Valley is where it's at because companies like Apple, et cetera, that's where they were kind of were founded. Like when you bumped into Zora, kind of what were your first impressions and how did you come to the conclusion that's the place you want to go? Yeah, I'm not going to give myself too credit, too much credit for making some, uh, you know, high level decision between Zora and a bunch of other software as a service companies I could have went to. Like I said, it was 
kind of the first one I applied to, and they just did a really good job with the recruiting process, which I think underscores with with young SDRs and young people looking to do a field. It's really important as a company to have a robust recruiting process and something that kind of sweeps people through the process because that experience really does, um, as a company, allow you to to bring people in. But I think, like I said, you know, I drink the Kool-Aid pretty easily, and I had really not as much of an idea of what SaaS was at that point either not as much of an idea about the software industry in general. I did have a lot of friends who were SDRs and account executives in different roles in tech. So I had people I could talk to about it that gave me a lot of background information. But I will say a lot of tech companies, you kind of look at the value proposition, you look at what they're saying on their website and it it sounds generic. It makes some sense. You can't really mm. buy into it. Zora's value proposition and what they were saying and uh, it just made a ton of sense to even to a layman. And I think that's something that shows the best technology companies is that they latch on to a shift in the marketplace that is real, that the common person can understand. And then they articulate that well. And Zor did that really well. And I believed in what they were saying. And that combined with a, a robust recruiting process and talk and seeing the backgrounds of the people that I was speaking to in this recruiting process, it really just made it um, something that, you know, you know, it's a good recruiting process and you know, you want to be there when you're just, you want that offer so bad. And you're like trying to close, you know, the, <laughs> on the last call. And that's exactly how I felt. Um, so yeah, really a combination of factors, but it all just made sense at the time. Solid man, solid. And I think you raise a really good point there, right? There could be a lot of listeners in who are thinking about joining the first startup and they're looking at the website. When I used to be an SDR manager, that was one of the questions that I asked in the interview. I said, Oh, have you had a look at the website? And what's your, you know, what's your conclusion of what we do? And this is really good for marketing as well, because to your point, for somebody that's not familiar with the world, they can give a fresh pair of eyes to say, I don't get it or I get it. Um, and I'm really happy to see that you chose Zora, like the whole subscription economy, something I was pitching many years ago. But you also mentioned a really interesting point, Max, where you had a lot of friends who are in tech and SaaS sales, etc. So you could always go to people to ask advice. And during my time, I've had a lot of people that have maybe come from a recruitment background or perhaps worked in customer service or customer-facing roles. And they also speak to their friends that are in the SaaS jobs where they're saying, hey, you need to get out that career. You need to come work for tech. You need to work for a startup. What were the type of questions that you were asking your friends to kind of, you know, get an idea and flavor of if this is a career for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's not a simple question. And it's easy to look back at it now and think I had this more developed line of questioning that I probably didn't have at the time. Um, but really for me, you know, when I'm going into a conversation, I'm going into an interview, I'm going potentially into a new industry. I think I want to know more about it than it is even maybe prudent. And I want to know things that maybe aren't even relevant to my role. So I was talking to a lot of buddies I had who are engineers, um, you know, software engineers who are architects, like I have buddies in that kind of realm as well, asking them a lot of the deeper things about like, what is software as a service? What's the differentiation? Like, how has this changed for you in your time? Um, so I really like to ask the technical questions to the people who are more in the engineering roles and the architecture roles and really just get their kind of concept on how to even use the language around technology. Because I think, especially in a sales role, one of the biggest things is in that interview process, too, is having the right vernacular and verbiage. And I think, uh, you know, the technical people are a great place to go for that. Um, but then when it came to, you know, a, a majority of my friends are definitely, especially at that point, we're in SDR and account executive roles. And I just asked them, you know, what is the sales process? What is pipeline? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you cold calling? Like, I had no idea even what the sales role was. And even just by brief conversations with my friends who were already in these roles, it just made a lot more sense to me and allowed me to feel more comfortable about making the jump. 
and allowed me to feel more comfortable about the concept of going into an entry-level role and having the opportunity to actually uh, advance in one of these companies. And I think that's something that's very encouraging about tech in general. It's For one, it values talent. And for two, it's always changing and always expanding and companies are always growing. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something that can give you opportunity. And being able to hear that from my friends who had already been promoted in tech roles and such was very encouraging and helped me uh, and helped make that decision a lot easier for me. And I think you made the right decision, my man. And you've you've raised some really interesting points there. So like you said, getting the vernacular, getting the verbiage, trying to understand the words, the millions of acronyms that you find in SaaS like API, CRM, et cetera. And I remember when I went into my onboarding for Zora, like I was like, I have no experience in tech. I don't know what any of these guys are talking about. I don't understand quarters, pipeline, et cetera. And I think that ability to ask what I saw as veterans that had been doing SaaS for 10 years that were like leaders of Zora just said, hey, there was a guy called Richard Terry Lloyd, RTL. I said, RTL, what the hell does that mean? And he'd look at me like, dude, you don't know. And he said, okay, well, this is what it means. And he would always like explain it to me. But also, I think uh, another point that you raised where you've got friends that work in engineering, work in the technical aspect. So I know that some people learn in different ways. So I'm more a, a visual learner. I like to look at pictures to understand concepts, etc. I've got people that love listening to audio. So like audiobooks, that's how they best learn. Or there are people that love technical spec sheets and specifications, and they really like to get down to the detail. When you were first coming into that world and you were learning, how were you best learning? And what tips would you give to somebody that's kind of, you know, this is a new world for them as well? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I personally... I learned from reading really well. Um, I like to, I like learning from reading because it's at your own pace. Uh, I guess that's visuals as well. So I read a ton and I memorize things. I'm a memorizer, um, and I think memorization like it gets a lot of it gets a lot of bad press in sales and other things. But really, memorization is just the basis for uh, like for understanding, and especially in sales, like there's a lot of regurgitation that has to happen. Um, so upfront, like regurgitating is fine, and you'll you'll understand things better after you're able to regurgitate. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, like you, like you said about the acronyms, that's just an example. Like we had a list of Zora at like, of like 200 acronyms and I just read them all like a hundred times. I wanted to understand them, you know? Um, and when I started at Zora, I was selling a revenue recognition automation product, which is as dry as it sounds. And it's basically like an accounting. <laughs> product. And I mean, for that, actually the visuals were very powerful. Um, because something that's very interesting about technology that like is a very is an aspect of it that I really like is like the architecture, you know, like especially in the SaaS world and you brought up APIs, there's all these different things, but you're connecting systems and there's a flow of information and your product fits into this flow of information in a certain way. And the ability to understand what ecosystem you're playing in and how your technology fits into that ecosystem is very vital. Uh, so there's a lot of visuals around that that were really helpful. And at Zora, we were always whiteboarding and drawing things out and trying to understand what process we were fitting into at Zora. That's the order to cash process. OTC, giving you another, uh, uh, another acronym, <laughs> you know, um, but the visuals were very helpful for that. So I think it was, for me, it was layering visual, layering reading memorization on top of visuals and understanding where all these acronyms, acronym, acronyms and all this information <laughs> to the yeah. sort of visual architecture. And that, uh, I think memorizing it up front and then kind of over time, uh, bolstering like my background knowledge was a good way to sort of short circuit um, sounding like you at least knew what you were talking about, which is like 75%. <laughs> yeah, 
I love it. I love it. And it was the same thing, dude. Like I remember when I first started at Zora, like we had like something called the command of the message, kind of like what is the message we're trying to give out to the industry. We're speaking to the five guys or girls in the room. Um, we're trying to understand their world. And I'd always, to your point, memorize, get pitch perfect. But half the time I could always hear myself when I was on a call, like a discovery call or an intro call, like, what am I actually talking about? And what does this mean? And it's really funny because I'd always record, like if I did a first call, like uh, we did use Zoom back then as well. And I've actually still got some of the original files of me as an SDR pitching the, uh, you know, the RBM model, like the whole uh, revenue recognition and the whole super super economy. And I watch it back now and I get it. I'm like, ah, so now I know what I'm talking about. But I think a really good test that I used to have was I'd pitch it to friends and family to see if they understood it. And half the time they're like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And a really good thing I realized was to dumb things down because I lived in that world and I had the curse of knowledge that I knew everything about this world. But when I'm speaking to maybe a CFO for the first time, they may understand revenue recognition. They may understand ARR. The new cool things that Azura was doing, they didn't understand. So I had to kind of dumb it down a bit. And that helped me learn. But then it helped me choose, okay, do I speak really techie to the CTO? Or do I talk really about product and monetization to the CMO? But as a young SDR, this was something cool to test and try out. Um, and the great best place that I learned was the new SDRs that came in. You know, like I was just one SDR in Europe. And then it grew to like 10, 15 people. And I saw new guys coming in. And I'd always love to connect with the US. Um, and I understood as Zora grew, it, the culture was changing. People were changing. More experienced people such as yourself are coming into the business. So I left back in, when was it, 2015? Um, and I saw Zora grow. But as an SDR living in like that product suite, living in like the office, meeting with the guys, how did you find it as a culture thing, like learning from each other? Like what were your best practices working as a team, Max? Yeah, you brought up a lot of great points in there. And on the concept of working as a team, I mean, it's everything as an SDR. And that's not just for the flow of knowledge. It's also for morale. It's also for career development. Um, so there's a lot of reasons that it's just essential to do everything as a team and to share knowledge. I mean, you got to look at what you're doing uh, as a company goal and to bring the company forward. Because if you're invested in the company, you have shares, you want to be promoted, you want to be able to sell the product in the next role you're in. Um, it's all about making sure that everyone's successful as possible. And I'm not going to say that was always my goal because I'm extremely competitive uh, and was <laughs> mostly you know, interested in my own success. But yeah, the biggest thing is that as an SDR, you're frontline and you are basically battering your message against people who don't want to hear it day in and day out. And in that process, it's like a sharpening process. And you're constantly taking this message and throwing it outbound at people and seeing what hits. And if you have one person doing that, it's not as good as five people doing that. It's not as good as 10 people doing that. It's not as good as 20 people doing that. So if you're able to take mm. the lessons that everyone is learning from their messaging, from their strategies, and really just aggregate it and figure out what the best combination of those messages and those processes is, like that's how you're going to be most successful as a team. And that's something we're really good at at Zora. Um, and it doesn't happen naturally. It takes systems and processes that bring people together and, and force that knowledge share uh, and force people to, you know, bring their information together to get the best possible process. And it's not always automatic. So that's what management is for. And that's what putting in, um, you know, putting in automated things or things that happen on a weekly basis that allow people to share information is what allowed us to, to really bring things forward. But beyond that, from the morale perspective, like it's a hard job. I think it's the hardest job on earth. I've, I've been doing it for two years. I'm exhausted. Uh, but, <laughs> but, if, but having like a crew of people who are all doing it, it's like, 
you know, it's like playing a hard sport where it's very, uh, it requires a lot of conditioning or it's very physical. Like you get really tight with your team and the same is mm-hmm. SDRing and it allows you to come back every day and, and hit it hard. And there's a good sense of team competition, uh, coupled with, with, you know, team support. And that was all huge for me and allowed me to really enjoy my time as an SDR. And just by hearing you, Max, like you can hear that experience of that conditioning, that life that you learned as an SDR at Zora. Um, and you raised a couple of good points there as well. Like this is a tough job. And a lot of the time I would have to try to convince other people, like other AEs and companies I've gone off to saying like your guys, like you said, are the front line. They're the ones that are pitching this message. They're trying to convince people that don't want to listen to them to I know, have some time, look at a new solution, look at a new way of doing something like business. And we're serving this to you on a plate, Mr. A or Mr. Mrs. AE, and saying, please talk to them. And they're like, is it really qualified? Does, does it have like everything that we need in order for it to, is it, does the deal have legs? And again, like trying to do this day in, day out, it can burn you out. Like I've, I've gone through experiences of feeling that burnout. Um, but to your point, if you have a team that are doing it together, it's nice to have that healthy competition. You know, like I want to hit my target. I want to be top SDR or ZBR at Zora. Uh, and at one point I was globally, but that title was taken very quickly uh, by others that were coming through the ranks. But I enjoyed watching people like, you know, get to President's Club or, you know, taking that title. I remember one guy, Neve, he came in completely brand new, didn't know who the hell this guy was, and he was just smashing. And all I wanted to do was like sit down with the dude like remotely and say, tell me your secret sauce. And they're happy to give that information. That's why I, I loved uh, at Zora. But for you, where you're saying it's tough, it's tiring, like how do you keep motivated and how do you keep persistent? Like what's the thing that gets you up in the morning think, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to take this today? That's a great question. And it's uh, an answer that changes depending on the day and the week and the month and the quarter. At this point in my career, the biggest thing is that, you know, I'm working towards a promotion and I have a clear understanding of what I need to do to get that promotion. So that gets me out of bed every day. And I want that promotion more than I've wanted anything. And it's something I've, I've wanted for a long time. So that in itself is like a very tangible thing that keeps me pumping every day. Uh, beyond that, I would say like, let me like boil it down to three things. So there's the promotion. That's like the obvious concrete, tangible thing that I'm working towards. Number two is I'm super competitive, like just in general, like there's only one SDR at productive besides me. And there was like 50 at Zora. Uh, I, mm. I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be number one at Zora. I left as the number one new business SDR at Zora. Uh, I don't know if I could have had way. I was, you know, I was going, I like checking those numbers every single day. Um, and not just, it's not about, you know, beating the people around you, but it's because I hold myself to a high standard and, you know, come from a background of athletics. Like there's a lot of reasons, but I'm extremely competitive in that is always something that will drive me. Uh, and then a third thing being, and this is more true every day as I, as I do this job for longer and longer and get more confident in my abilities is that I think I'm one of the best in my craft. You know, I'm a top one, top 5%, whatever it may be SDR. And I have to go prove that every day. And great thing about sales and a great thing about SDR in general, like once again, with the sports analogies is when you're in these scenarios, you're on these cold calls, you're in these, uh, qualifying conversations, like, this isn't something scripted. This isn't something that, um, that you can like just apply some sort of methodology to like it's game time, you know, and it's instinct and it's something that's really exciting. And that's something I enjoy about sales and the SDR role in general, but it keeps me going to, to put myself in those situations and show that I can still do it. You know, if I was crushing on the phone six months ago and then today I can't do it, like that means I've digressed in my skills. 
Um, and I would never allow, allow, want to allow that to happen. So that's another thing that keeps me, uh, you know, internal competition and internally proving to myself that I can get up and do it every day and not be a pansy. <laughs> <laughs> I love your your passion, your your drive, and the fact that you say that you hold yourself to a high standard. You know, and I can understand uh, in terms of like an athletic approach, it's that consistency. It's because if you're doing it then and you're successful, the moment you become complacent and comfortable, that's when everything can fall apart, right? Um, and like you said, you're you're crushing stuff. You you have to prove it every day. <laughs> I remember a very scary point at my SDR journey at Zora where I had Richard Terry Lloyd. He flew over to our London office because he wanted to meet this guy called Neil Buyan, who's the new EMEA SDR. And he said to me, I don't think you're right for the job. And I was like, dude, you don't even know me, you know? And I remember for two days straight in this London office, this small little box office, Artia was literally sitting to the right of me, listening to me cold call and following up uh, Zora leads. And he just, it was. And I just thought, this guy is going to eat me. Like, what am I going to do? And I was doing calls and I was nervous and I had my script next to me. And a true story, at the end of that day, he looked at me and he said, Neil, I'm going to be straight up. I don't think you've got what it takes and I don't think you're going to be here very long. I just want to be honest with you. And I went home so disheartened and so like, what do I have to do? And I remember waking up the next morning and I ironed a shirt and it was bright pink and I wore a really smart tie and I came in and I had my script and RTL sitting there. And I'm going to show this man what I'm made of. And I went into my first call, screwed it up completely. And he just looked at me with disdain. Then I got into the second call. He said, come on, let's go again. Let's go again. And then I went into the second call and halfway through, I just looked at the script and I threw the paper to the side. There you go. And I just went into this Zora pitch. And at the end of the day, I booked nine sales qualified opportunities. And RTL turned me around and said, Neil or Pink, I'm going to call you now. I just needed to put that fire under you because I knew you had what it takes, but I wanted you to believe it. And that was the best experience I ever had. And why you said it's not all about being scripted. I 100% agree with that. And I also say to other SDRs, have the script to learn the plays, but don't rely on the paper, rely on the paper, you know. Um, But also, as you mentioned, with athleticism, like you have an athletic background, what techniques or mindset has it have you been able to take from that into your sales career? And how has it helped you? Yeah, I'll answer that. Before I answer that, I thought it was funny that uh, RTL negative reversaled you uh, through that. <laughs> That's how you know he's an A1 salesperson. He's literally using like just the best sales techniques on his SDRs internally. So that guy, that guy, that guy knows what's good. But uh, <laughs> I mean, from athletics, it's really just it's the perseverance. It's the getting up and going to work every single day um, and accepting the fact that it's going to be hard and that that doesn't mean that you got to stop. And and just knowing like, I guess, delayed gratification, you know, the sports I played, like, I'm not going to say that I enjoyed practice every single day and I was, you know, sweating my ass off and, you know, super exhausted and getting home wiped out. But then you win a game or you win a match or whatever it is. And, and all that hard work was worth it. And I think it's just that that's sort of a built-in concept that sports gives you um, that is always going to allow you to push as an SDR. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's getting up every day and, and breaking rocks. I love it. I love it. And as you said, like you want to move on into like an account exec role, you want to get into closing and stuff. What's your game plan? Because there's probably people that are still in this position and they're contemplating that promotion. What advice would you give them to kind of set up a game plan to work towards that promotion, Max? 
That's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I think for one, and this seems obvious, but really it's not because I've seen people not leverage this, but make it obvious, clear, and continuously clear what you want throughout the entire process and make sure that every time there's a conversation that has anything to do with your future or anything to do with what you've been doing or any successes, tie that to the future role that you want and try to create some sort of, you know, what, what you'd call it in sales would be like a joint execution plan, but sort of expectation. Mm. Here's how I'm going to execute. And here's my expectations of how the business is going to compensate me or what the return is going to be based on that execution. And for me, that's a promotion. Uh, and for me, everyone at my company, I guarantee you knows that I want a promotion. And everything I do that's positive, I somehow loop back into the fact that I want that promotion. And I'm always pushing the timeline. And I mean, that's something that is just generally in sales you're going to have to do. You're going to have to create compelling events and a timeline so you can get your deal over the line. And and all a promotion is, is an internal deal with whoever your stakeholders are. They're going to promote you. Um, and just like just like any, any sale in life, you know, create expectations, fulfill expectations and ensure that they're is some sort of structure around once these expectations are fulfilled that I get what I want. And for me, that's a promotion. Um, but none of that matters if you're not crushing it, if people can't feel your energy and feel your desire. So it's once again, that's an every single day process. I love it. I love it. I love the way that you say the promotion is like an internal deal and you're running a sales process on it. You're setting your timelines, you're setting your objectives uh, and you're doing your activities to ensure that you're getting there. That's solid advice. I'm going to challenge and I want to ask a really hard question that, that I've done with a lot of other SDRs, and I'm thinking more like a, a VP of sales or as an AE. I'd always ask myself the question, so here's the deal that I want to close, and I always think there's one in three that will only ever close. I always have to think of a backup plan of what if it doesn't go the way I want. Um, so I wanted to be the AE. It, it took me a while to get to there because I had a lot of things to learn, but I had to think of backup plans. So if it was maybe moving into management or perhaps maybe moving into a senior role as an SDR for you, if hopefully it will happen, and I do believe it will happen for you, but what would be your backup plan to if that doesn't work out? Yeah, I've already confronted this situation that like, you know, before at Zora, I was 100% sure that I was going to be promoted to either an account executive, account executive or an account manager at Zora. I think I, I had all the accolades to, to be the person that was next in line and Right at the last minute, when I was nearing the end of my rope as an SDR mentally at Zora, they they cut the commercial sales team, they cut the account management team, and in what may have been a shrewd move for the company, but what for me was a death sentence to to where I wanted to go uh, at Zora. And mm. you know, that day, I started looking for new jobs and ended up at Productive. So at that point, like I, I confronted the question that, that you're bringing up, and the answer was either a go be an account executive. Cause actually, and this, this uh, makes me need to bring up another thing. I told all the SDRs at Zora that I was kind of, you know, that I was one of the most seasoned ones of, I said, never be an SDR again. Either you become an account executive mm. at Zora or you go be an account executive somewhere else. But I never want to see you guys have SDR on your resume twice. Like that's indicative of a, mm. a lack of dedication or lack of skill or something like that. Here I am sitting you with, in front of you with SDR on my resume. Tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't listen to my own advice, but my opportunity, my, mm. my choice then at Zora was either a go be an account executive. At, I had account executive offers for way more money than I'm making now at companies where I potentially didn't believe in the leadership or weren't selling that complex of a product. Cause when it comes down to it, if you're going to bring in an SDR from another company and allow them to be an AE right off the bat at your company, your hiring standards are probably lower than other companies that aren't going to allow that. The company that I'm at now productive is an SDR. You know, I didn't get the title I wanted. Uh, I'm getting paid less. 
But I really believed in the leadership. I believed in the product. And I believe that the reason they weren't going to give me an AE role right off the bat is because they demanded a certain level of excellence. And looking at my colleagues at Productive compared to some of the account executive colleagues I would have had at other companies, the pedigree and the skill, it's just at one glance of their LinkedIn is extremely clear. Uh, so in that situation, I did decide to go be an SDR again because I knew the opportunity that I was setting myself up for. And I, once again, delayed the gratification of maybe taking a closing role uh, earlier. It's a tough decision. You know, you think about it every day. Um, this time around, if, if that became a conversation again, um, you know, in that instance, I think it would be a, a matter of going to find an account executive role and leveraging my current experience. Um, you know, I've kind of, I feel like I've been not manipulated is not the right word, but I've, I've delayed things for a long time. And now I have like a pretty large, uh, you know, large amount of skill in this that I don't want to parlay into another SDR role ever again. So roundabout answer, but there you go. Something I think. No, <laughs> yeah, I think that you've given the right answer. So you've admitted the being humble about, you know, I said that I, you, you don't ever do this twice, but then you've kind of felt that experience. So it humbles you a little bit and it helps you reflect as to, okay, what does it take? What do I need to do? And I love the way that you're saying, because I see this happen a lot of the times, like SDRs get uh, promoted to the AE without being given that coaching, that experience of, you know, negotiation, closing, dealing with procurement, all the things that get nitty gritty into closing sales. Um, and if they give the opportunity to, you know, learn some stuff about this company before you move into that role, I think that's a great thing to do. Like with me, same thing happened at Zora. I really wanted to be an AE, but they said, Neil, you're really good in management. We don't want to lose the leadership. And there are some things that you need to learn. But I was a bit stubborn. I said, no, I, I know everything. I know the product. I can do a demo. I can do whatever. I couldn't. I, I realized later on. So then when I moved to my next company, they said, well, you need to prove yourself first, be an SDR for a couple of months. If you can bring in some successes, we'll then talk about the promotion. We'll fast track you to the role. That's their favorite uh, phrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think you've thought about it. You're preparing yourself. And I always think a really good way that I prepared myself thereafter was I'd always look at a job spec for the role that I want. And I'd look at all the responsibilities and key things I need to do. And I'd ask myself, what can I not do today? And if I'm still going to be the SDR, I'm going to go find a person in that company that can do that really good. I'm going to sit with them and I'm going to learn from them so that when it comes to that time promotion, I'm ready and raring to go and I can prove myself as well. But I fully, fully believe that when that opportunity comes up for you, Max, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I think we're going to have to get you back as a guest to see kind of like what happened with Max next, you know. Um, but as we're kind of coming to the end of this show, and it's been a great, super energized conversation, I think, to say the least. Um, if you were to give three golden nuggets of advice to a young Max who's just about to embark on this journey, what would you give? What would you say to the Max? Yeah, great question, Neil. And actually, I never prepare things, but I looked at your uh, your preparation document last night and actually wrote some things out for this. So. Uh, far away from that yeah, actually i have the three nuggets and i have the three worst bits of advice which was also oh cheat so I, I almost love bad bring it better than good advice honestly so uh but yeah so my three best bits of advice the first one is allow yourself to be a robot so what does this mean this means creating repeatable systems and processes that are operating in the background so that your time is spent in ways where you don't have to think about it where your energy is spent on your interactions with potential prospects but you don't need to be constantly strategizing around your systems or your messaging because you've created things in the background that allow you to be very systematic and robotic with these processes. 
we used to always at Zora use the term breaking rocks for being an SDR. Because when it comes down to it, the best SDRs are really good at breaking rocks. So they do it the same way every time and they do it all day. Um, so some examples of that, you know, you brought up your script you were using uh, initially when you were cold calling at Zora. I don't like scripts, but I do like things like cold call structure. So I, I suggest that everyone, here's one of my shout outs. I suggest everyone take a look at John Barrows. I went to a John Barrows training um, that they sent me to. It was actually really expensive. It was a great opportunity they sent me to at Zora. Um, and he gave this cold call, not script, but structure. Where it basically goes like persona, common challenge, our solution, where we've done it before. So that's something that it's not a script. There's no like verbiage in there around the product, but allows you to go to anyone's LinkedIn and not really think about it and have a cold call structure ready for them right off the bat uh, that allows you to make that extremely repeatable and you're still customizing things to people. So that's one example. Another example being, you know, using tools like Outreach and Sales Loft and having sequences that are super built out and just require you to put the same level of light customization into that email every single time. Allows you to be robotic, go to the same place on everyone's LinkedIn and really just plug something in and and break rocks, get on the phones and spend your time, you know, rather than analysis paralysis is the word everyone likes, but rather than rather than doing that, you know, getting out to as many people as possible. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, the hardest thing, uh, maintain your confidence. And part of this is faking it till you make it. Um, I think, you know, you, you'll notice in SDR and there's always times when you're booking like 10 cold call meetings in a day, you're having a great week, having a great quarter. And then there's weeks and months where you're getting no cold call meetings or, uh, you know, you're not having to get a follow up, whatever it might be. And I found that a ton of this is that your confidence ebbs and flows and swings. And when you're in a state of confidence, you sound better on the phones, you feel more comfortable writing, uh, you know, personalized emails to people, you feel more comfortable, maybe bothering people, maybe hitting them twice in four days, if it's necessary. If you, if you lack your confidence, you're not going to do those things, you're going to stutter on the phone, you're going to sound like a cold caller who doesn't belong in the room. So any way you can, and, and the fact is, like I said, you're going to have to fake it a lot of the time. Uh, it doesn't come naturally, but fake that confidence and it will, you know, you fake it, you put a smile on your face, you look at someone's picture on LinkedIn while you're calling them and you act like you're having a conversation with them. Uh, and it's going to allow you to just to propel your career and propel your prospecting process forward. Uh, the last thing is, and this is something actually my my cousin that I originally worked with in real estate when I was 18, this was his, uh, this was his phrase is the fortune is in the follow-up. Uh, you know, prospecting you're basically you're out there with a spear gun trying to hunt sharks all day and usually on the first shot you're gonna like draw a little bit of blood but then you're still gonna have to go you know get the net and catch them in the water uh and that's really the process that gives you your money you know people typically aren't gonna book a meeting on the first cold call they're typically not gonna respond to the first email with some times for a meeting you're probably gonna have to hit that person 10 times to get the meeting and that is much more important than any of the the first steps of outbounding or the broad blast or whatever it is you see someone that's engaging you talk to someone you even have someone hear your voice and say, now is not a good time. You need to follow up with those people until you've either gotten a yes or a no, uh, because that's really where the money and where the meetings come from. Um, so that's my three pieces of, of good advice that I wish I would have had that I took, you know, two years. <laughs> Jeez, that, that is solid strategic advice and definitely a big shout out to John as well. But Max, man, uh, whoa, that is a lot of good information and guys if you're listening if you want to replay that back and listen to it again and again and again and again and repeat it and memorize it please do uh, and the interesting bit you're flipping the script here uh three bad bits of advice you'd like to to know about the bad bits of advice. please please tell me more so the first one i think you know I've, I've mentioned cold calls enough in this uh in this call for this to be obvious but people think cold calls are out of style they don't work anymore uh, it's a waste of your time, like email and LinkedIn. Uh, I'll be the first one to say that's total BS. I think that 
as, and you know what, let everyone else think that. Let the whole industry think cold calls are out of style so you can get on the phone, call people's cell phones and get in front of people and have personal conversations. They're never going to go out of style uh, until personal interaction goes out of style. And regardless how this year's gone, it's not going anywhere. Uh, cold calls are not out of style. That's the first BS piece of advice that I've gotten. Um, the second thing, and I think this this is something that I've heard from everyone in sales down from account executives to SDRs, but don't waste your time understanding the product. You know, people are like, oh, don't understand the product, you know, understand the sales process, understand the psychology of sales. I totally disagree with that. You're typically going to be selling products to people who are way more experienced and way more comfortable in the industry that you're selling to than you are. And if you go in unprepared to have any second layer, third layer conversation, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to level with these people and have a conversation that's meaningful to them. And these people are looking for meaningful interactions from salespeople. Um, I think about a cold call I was on yesterday for like, you know, 12 minutes with a VP of IT at a 4,000 person company. If I didn't have a knowledge of my product and a knowledge of the space, there's no way I would have held that guy's attention and no way we could have gone down all the different lines of conversation that are necessary to, you know, build ethos with someone of that level of skill and at that level in a company. So I think you got to understand the products, spend the time, understand the products that are vital to your outbound sales process or the parts of the product that are vital to that. The last thing is you can strategize your way out of hard work. Not going to belabor this, but the best SDRs make calls and email all day and you can't automate or do anything to get around that. And I guarantee you, you look across any company at the top performing SDRs and they're busting their asses. So <laughs> That uh, it is a hard job, but you know, there's there's a lot of honor in that as well. Whew. That was a lot of hot information. The only the vision that just came in my head whilst you're spitting these hot bars, you're like a Rick Ross of SDRing, like dude. Like I've, I've got a lot of <laughs> yeah, you are the boss on this. I agree, dude. I, I thank you so much for all the the knowledge, the information, and I really, really, I will be watching you with a close eye, Max, because I'm I'm waiting for that promotion as well, dude. And I know that things will work out the best way as long as you keep that consistency, as long as you keep this mentality and hit them hard, man. And before we end, do you have any shout outs or any announcements you want to make? Yeah. Shout out to you, Neil. This was really fun. This is actually, I've been on other podcasts, but this is the first professional podcast I've been on. Ton of fun. I'll be following happy selling as well. Hopefully at some point in the future, I can, you know, bring you guys in to, to train some SDRs or, or whatever it is that, uh, you know, the best thing is for you guys, because yeah, this is a ton of fun. I think you have a lot of oh, to share, uh, shout out wise. I'll give a shout out to Tyler Wallace, who was my first and last, uh, manager, SDR manager at Zora really was a great introduction to SDR. He made it fun, uh, respected hard work. Zach Melillo, you should bring him on the podcast as well. Uh, I'll shoot you his LinkedIn. He's now a sales development manager at a really exciting startup, uh, but was also a, a colleague of mine at Zora who I sat in the trenches with every day and we made it really fun for each other. We talked a lot of smack, uh, that kind of stuff's necessary and he, we kept each other competitive. So definitely uh, shouts out to, to Zach and Tyler. I definitely suggest you you reach out to both of them. They have some great things to share as well. I think um, just for, so for the guys at home, I do have a sound engineer. Uh, Carl, if you're listening, can you drop some bombs like sound effects on this? Because that was just hot. I loved it. I loved it. But look, Max, um, I'm going to make sure I'm going to put in uh, our show notes, like contact if people want to reach out to you to ask advice. What is the best channel for you? Some people, it's Twitter, it's LinkedIn, it's other different mediums. What's the best way to get in touch with Maximilian Licht? It's not Twitter. I'll tell you that. Um, LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. Everyone, please uh, uh, follow me on LinkedIn or, you know, friend request me, whatever it is. 
uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn and I love speaking to other salespeople and other SDRs. So would love to uh, connect with anyone. Thank you so much, my man. So guys, this was Maximilian Licht, uh, SDR for the time being at Productive, and we're going to be watching him closely. But thank you for being a guest on the SDR Disco Core podcast. We'd love to have you back as a future guest. But most importantly, Max, uh, good luck and happy selling, my man. Happy selling to you as well, Neil. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.